Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is the marvellous John Shaddock. John, how are you? Very well, very well. Thank you for, for having me on, Tom. Excellent, John. Hey, listen, I know what you currently are up to, but can you tell people who might not be aware or may not have heard of you yet what you're currently doing and how it relates back to safety? Yeah, brilliant. So I'm the director of a company called Sunstrom Recruitment, which is based in Perth. We're a team of five now. I set the business up about three years ago and with a view of, of focusing solely in the recruitment of HSE Q professionals. So everything underneath that umbrella, the vast majority is within health and safety, though. Probably about 80% of our work is, is solely the health and safety profession. Recently, we've just expanded into Queensland. Um, but uh, with my colleague Amy coming on board and uh, my colleague Andy focuses on our Perth-based roles, my colleague Sarah focuses on our FIFO roles. So we're very niche, we're boutique. And as I said, we set up the business in, in a view of actually having a dedicated focus onto a profession, which usually sort of gets handballed around to other disciplines. Yeah. yeah. Just with that, HSEQ, look... Mm. I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty old school, John. I sometimes struggle to see the relationship between sometimes even environment and health and safety. Mate, well, mate, very different to recruit, I can tell you. <laughs> I, I, I used to see sometimes on site people who'd got an environmental degree and all of a sudden they're shoved into a HSEQ role and you'd go, caring about lizards, maybe isn't exactly the same as caring about people. Am I missing something there? No, look, yeah, yeah, I think there is a lot of there is a lot of difference. Um, in terms of like the enviro space, it's, it's very, very different. There's only a few senior professionals I know that have actually done the route from environmental professional into health and safety. And and look, you know, when we start talking about approvals, 
an API, APA side of the world, very different to health and safety for sure. It's really, I guess, about giving another, the reason that we do it is also another service offering to our clients because there is a lot of synergy, especially when we start looking, you know, from a GM level, usually, you know, environmental sits underneath a GM of HSE. And that's yeah. that's why we why we focus on that as well. So I guess give a full offering to our clients. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The quality part in HSEQ, what do they uh, what do they look at? So the quality side is actually, and I, I'm going to profess that this is 100% my colleague Andy's remit. Andy actually came from sort of an industrial engineering background, so does understand the quality side more. Again, very different from the, the health and safety outside of you know, your, your ISO accreditations and quality frameworks. So Andy is definitely more focused on that. And that usually comes into that heavy industry, heavy manufacturing space. That's where a lot of clients have needs in that area. And Andy just, I guess, leverages on his experience. He had seven years solely in industrial engineering and manufacturing um, that uh, he leverages on. But as I said, Tom, about 80% of our placements, I should also say that we're permanent. We're a permanent recruitment agency, so we're not a labour hire, you know, temper agency. Mm-hmm. So about 80% of our placements are solely in that health and safety profession or, or you know, capital H, S and small e and Q, which seems to be the most common. Yeah, yeah. Sunstrom, I'm, I've only, I confess I'm, I'm only fairly new to WA, been in WA for two years, primarily up north in what some people call as rural and remote, but... Uh, yep. Not that rural and remote, I don't think. But came down to Perth and first started hearing about Sunstrom. I think it's a good move to move into Queensland because it looks like, well, let's be honest, the two mining um, centres of Australia are Queensland and WA. So I think think that's a good move. But to be honest, I hadn't even heard of you in the eastern states before I came down to Perth. So... You may have a little bit of work to do over there, but oh, we have a we have an awful lot of work to do. There's no there's no doubting that, um, and that's uh, again, it's uh, I guess it's building our capability in that in that area. Ultimately, you know, we are a West Australian business, and I think that's where our key focus is. But it's about being able to, I guess, offer more services or more 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 offerings to candidates with a national footprint. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that comes with growth and rather than being a regional player, becoming a national player. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a great idea because there are so many recruitment companies out there, no offence, have no idea, no idea what to look for in safety professionals. And you, you only have to look at the job ads to see some of the ridiculous requirements that are being put in there. And you go... Do you actually ever understand what the role entails? Because yeah, I, I think if you're filling a, a, a important gap there, that's that's my own personal opinion. So good for you. Now, what actually made me reach out to you, John, was you posted something on LinkedIn, a, a video which I'd never seen the approach before, and I thought, oh my God, this is unique. This is absolutely unique. Sort of like a public service you were doing, but it's something I think business owners needed to watch it was a video basically gave advice to hiring managers human resources business owners about what you believe would be useful questions when they're seeking to recruit safety professionals for their um, 
but for their workforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. For those who haven't seen the video yet, first of all, where can they go to watch it? And can you tell us what some of those questions you came up with? Absolutely. Well, what I can do is I can give you the the link, and you can you can put it in the, the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I guess in terms of that, you know, just to circle back really briefly, I think you know, in terms of recruitment, I'm just as an agency owner, I'm absolutely sick of just seeing recruiters post adverts all the time for jobs. You know, and I think the big thing of what we do is try to partner more with with industry and with a profession that we support. And that's one of those things, because this is all we do, it's one of the frustrations that I see an awful lot. Yes, there's a lot of recruiters out there that don't perhaps know what they're recruiting and it just gets added on to you know, the next thing. The, the other thing is there's a lot of businesses that don't actually know. And a big part of what we do is also hire, you know, educating hiring managers and educating businesses. So you know, a, a lot of the times there isn't a clear message they just presume and and we typically see this not all the time not all the time but we typically see this with the sort of smes where a company's gotten to a certain stage somebody's told you need to have safety they literally have no idea what that means they go oh i just i'll just get safety you know and there's no measurable outcome other than we have safety and 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 that's sort of one of the biggest challenges so they go, they pay a, f- a fair chunk of change to hire a professional without any, often without even a job description, without even what the, sure of what the outcomes are. And that's one of the biggest challenges because they put someone into this role and the company doesn't actually want to change, right? They want to stay, all they, all they want to care about is that everything stays the same, but they're safe. And that leads to often a complete butting of heads between a values mis- misalignment. And too often businesses... They might say that they want something, but they don't realize that they're actually hiring someone for an opinion. And the example that I often use, you know, I, I used to come from, from a multinational agency that specialized in finance and I set up their safety desk, right? But no one would come to to a, to a recruitment agency and pay a fortune, you know, for a CFO mm-hmm. and not have an expectation for that. And then secondly, question the CFO. When he actually gives gives advice, <laughs> you know, you know they're hiring the smartest person in the room. Then they also might not want to take that feedback on, and that's like another challenge I see in the business. So they're my two big gripes, and I think it's gotten worse since the new in Western Australia with the new legislation coming in. So a lot of these smaller businesses go, oh, we just we just need it, but they don't really want it. So yeah, that's that's, that's a challenge that we've really had to 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 face, and we've. You know, not not to to be uh, playing a victim, but you know we've we've been at the coalface in that front because we've seen a lot of businesses and a lot of churnover in terms of employees and roles, and it's often come to that values misalignment, and that's been the last couple of months or let's say twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, because there, there there are significant differences in safety professionals' philosophies on how they deal with certain things. And you can certainly see the potential for conflict when you've got someone who perhaps is a strong believer in behaviour-based sort of safety coming up against a safety professional, for example, who's, I don't know, safety to new safety, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. And no judgment. I I don't believe there's a a wrong or right. I think it actually has to suit the business, obviously. But yeah, if... 
business owners, human resources managers, hiring managers don't understand some of those concepts fraught with danger, I'd suggest. Tom, I'm a big believer, right, and, and this isn't recruitment spin. I'm really big believer that there is actually a job and a business for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even businesses, you know, we, we actually, you know, we said to one client, we can't, can't work with you, don't want to work with you. You know, it was just, and there wasn't anything about them. It was just the salaries, the expectations were too low. But I'm confident that they can still find someone that would be happy in that job. And and for and again, for right or wrong, I'm not here to say, you know, people often give feedback on, on certain businesses that they're leaving or, or, you know, where they want to work or, you know, their friend's brother's cousin has worked there and said they're no good for whatever reason. We're relatively impartial because our main goal is finding out what the actual business wants. Because mm. again, big believer that there's a person for every role and a person for every 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 sort of business. All right, now, John. According to Seek, because that's of course where I get all my best factual information, there has never been a time in their existence where there has been less job adverts for safety advisors, safety officers. Is it a true reflection that industry is screaming out for these professionals? Oh, never, sorry, that was du- double negative. I bet that's why I just got confused. So never a time where there was less. Yes. So, yes, I was like, I, I thought you were referring the other way around. I go, oh, wow, I've, <laughs> I must have picked the wrong lane. But yeah, look, this is... Across the board, there's actually some really good data out on it, and I'd be happy to find that sort of the adverts per the adverts per state. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. So there's there is no doubt on that. Where this is the most ever that's that's been on seek. Also, think though on that note, there. I mean, if you look at ABS data on this as well, I mean, this is a growth industry. Mm. I mean, how many people were working in safety 30 years ago? You know, I mean, EC, ECU was the first in WA to release there, and that was only a postgrad. I think that was 96, mm-hmm. you know, 1996, somewhere around there maybe. Yeah, the ECU. Oh, and don't quote me. I'm sure someone will correct me, but <laughs> I, I'm sure it's circa 1990s. You know, if you look at a profession, it's it's obviously grown. I mean, it, I, I presume it'll be similar to, to some fields in technology as well where um, – you know, 30 years ago, it didn't exist. You know, when I was at uni, it didn't exist. So look, I think, you know, I use an example. My dad, my dad was a scrap dealer. It's a pretty high risk industry, that scrapyard in Welshpool. You wouldn't have safety as a function in, in an organization of, you know, 50, 60 people. Now you'd nearly guarantee that you'd have a safety professional. Now there's obviously two sides of the cap, so it's right or wrong, but we're seeing that as becoming a part of an part of industry and becoming a standardized part of industry. And I think as well, you know, there's a lot of talk out there now with consultancies, right? Mm. There was a gap in the market. And you know, you could you could pay a consultancy a hundred thousand dollars a year for, you know, one day a week on call or whatever it is. And now a lot of business going, look, I I and this is always my take, and this is why, you know, we we're permanent recruiters. You know, safety should be embedded in an organization. You know, in order to be able to see measurable outcomes. And again, I'm not saying anything negative against consultants. Please don't send me hate mail or anything. They definitely have a very large value to bring to an organization. But in terms of, you know, day to day safety, embedding that in an organization is, and, and for the long term, not just six months or eight months, is how you get measurable outcomes. 
Mm. I, I believe. And that doesn't matter if that's small, a small business or a large business. And to be honest, I think that's where industry's caught up with. So we're starting to see businesses going, okay, well, let's bring someone on full time or let's bring two people. Let's have a corporate manager and a, and a roving advisor. And then obviously there's, there's the other aspect if we talk resources, you know, there's the contractual aspect as well where, you know, your, your, your license to operate is dependent on how many, you know, safety advisors you have per X many employees, which 10 years ago, that wasn't a thing either, you know. So it's certainly a good position to be in, someone looking to join the industry or someone that's already in the industry for sure. All right. Just with that. Is it because we have a current shortage of safety professionals or is it just exceeding demand in industry for safety professionals that we seem to have not enough people to fill the gaps? I So there's two things if we look at West Australia. Right? West Australia, we're still really, and I've been saying this for ages, we're really parochial still. We're still apprehensive of people coming from interstate. In terms of, let's just talk mining, right, coming interstate. Really apprehensive to look at candidates that are even emigrating over from, you know, the eastern states on their own accord. Oh, well, you know, what happens if they don't come? So there is there is a big apprehension for that. Great question, and I just want to be cautious in how I word this. There is ultimately, in terms of, I mean, you can become a safety advisor with very limited or very low barriers to entry, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a surplus, I mean, there, and there's no way to cut that. It's not a, you know, you have to go and do a, a four-year degree plus a four-year, you know, professional qualification, and then you can, you know, go out and, 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 and become a safety advisor. Ultimately, there's very low barriers to entry. And, and comparative, if we're looking at salary to, you know, I mean, you could go and do an eight and six and make $140,000 a year with a cert for 12 months experience, yes. especially in this market. That's easily done. I think where the demand comes from is that a lot of businesses, there's a lot of people, and again, this is why I'm being cautious with my wording, there's a lot of people that perhaps are in safety for the wrong reasons. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that know that you can make a lot of money doing the labour hire front, the casual front. A big thing, and I'll tell you a big core of our business, is, is businesses coming to us looking for skill set, looking for someone that can actually not just fill a seat or fill a contractual need, but actually want to be a part of the business. And I don't think that that's our sort of difference or a key part of our difference, right? That doesn't really matter whether that's a recession or a boom. Mm-hmm. Finding the right sort of person for your business that's going to be aligned to your values, you know, that, as I said, that, that person for every job, that's a big part of what we do. So, yeah, there's a ton of demand out there, but I think the right people will always be in demand, whether in a good market or a down market. Yeah, I think you're right. Some of the things I'm seeing currently in the market is companies even willing to accept that you're working towards your cert for in health and safety. But so long as you've got experience in the type of industry that they're working in whether it's construction whether it's mining something similar so you actually have a feel for the industry before you know you get out there and and, and start telling people how to do their job for example absolutely i'm not saying it's common Mm. (laughs) i'm not saying it's common but 
a big thing, especially at the advisor level, which is, you know, the, the, the market and FIFO advisor level, the market, my colleague Sarah looks after. First and foremost, I think the big drive is industry experience, right? So it's actually more attractive for an employer if it's coming from a high risk industry. I'm talking underground mining, drilling, which was my background, even construction, you know, rigging, having someone that knows the walk or how to walk the walk and talk the talk yeah. uh, and has the desire to, to become a safety professional because often the, you know, this isn't someone running the show on themselves. They'll have yeah. a safety manager or a superintendent. And I mean, look, my own team, I hire on, on aptitude and, and drive, right. Rather than past results. So that's a huge way to get into the industry if you're motivated and if you have that experience. And I think, I mean, look, I, as I said, my background was drilling and it's that high risk industry. And if you have that sort of trade background, understanding the risk profile as a part of the trade mm. versus learning the trade and then learning the risk profile, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for actually knowing what you're going into and, and knowing who's who's who in the zoo before you move absolutely. into it. For sure. Well, it gives you the credibility as well, I think, you know, and that's another thing, you know, Again, not all the time, but, mm. you know, that's a, it's a big thing to be able for someone, you know, we, we do see it a lot. Some of so, yeah, people that get the best achievements on site at an advisory level can build that rapport because they know exactly what they're talking about. And that's, that's not a, you know, a must, I'm not saying it's definitive, but, you know, it can certainly be advantageous. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I like what you say about rapport. Rapport and trust kind of essential in, in a safety role. And it's it's not something that, you just can click your fingers and establish the amount of people I hear when they come into my classrooms and they're doing safety courses and they tell me about, you know, this swing on a roster, there's a new safety guy or safety girl, safety person. Yeah. They come back the following swing, they're gone. There's someone new and they can never actually build a relationship and therefore establish trust with these people and that the approaches, the approaches from the different practitioners changes a bit like the weather. Would it be ideal if we had more people that were, I'm going to say, in it for the long haul, that they actually this... wanted to be a career rather than let's go and do two years and buy a house? You, you, you've had a pain point for me. No, look, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And you can look at my LinkedIn and I've changed jobs before in the past as well, right? And I'm I'm not for anyone staying in a role where they're necessarily unhappy. But I think this is absolutely a problem that I see, both in Perth-based roles and, and FIFO roles. The transactional nature and the nature of, of the high turnover you don't get cultural change overnight. People, especially if you haven't, you know, necessarily come from that industry or that, you know, professional trade, don't necessarily build trust and rapport in one swing, you know. I mean, geez, you know what it's like when you start a new job. It takes you, it takes you two months to work out where the microwave is. You know? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I'm a slow learner, right? That's, <laughs> that's why I'm the recruiter. But you know, it does take a while to build into that culture and it takes a while to, to you know, as you said, work out who's who in the zoo. And I believe that 
if a business can retain, but most importantly, people are in it for the long haul, you're going to get better long-term wins, right? And, and trust me, and I'm not someone that says this just to keep people in jobs because you shouldn't do something that you're unhappy with. Mm. I think, to be honest, again, and it's an area that, that I do talk about a lot, the, the money at the moment in the, the labour hire front for safety professionals is phenomenal. It is it is beyond good. And if you're looking to make, you know, not even a quick buck, but money over the next two years, buy a house easily, right? Mm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But what we see is the turnover in that area. And I don't think, I understand project nature, but I don't think, it's what we were talking about before. It's almost getting safety for that contractual obligation. You know, to, to making sure that the client, Mr. Client, is happy and ticking a box. But as an outcome, does it actually make people safer? Does it actually, does the end goal therefore be, you know, the outcome achieved? And I'm not sure I can't answer that, but, you know, that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, look, one of the concerns, one of the concerns I have for safety recruitment in so far as the ability to make changes in safety culture and achieve outcomes is, I'll be honest, it's the short-term three-month contracts or less, and I understand why businesses do it, but to me, fundamentally, no one is going to invest their time and their energy and their passion into something when they arrive and they know they're there now, by the time they sort themselves out, they're only going to be there for 10 weeks. Yeah. It just won't happen. Five more swings and I'm out of here, you know. You can count it on one hand. Yeah, and you, I mean, look, I'm a pretty outgoing guy, but, you know, you don't build long-term relationships. You don't get to know you. You don't get to know, you know, what interests you at home. You know, why, why do you do your job, you know? Tell me about your wife, your kids, your dog, et cetera, you know, you you're not invested because you're looking for the next thing. And look, that's the reason, aside from the, the, I guess, the moral side of it, but, you know, that's why we haven't gone down that route as a business because I'd rather partner with people sort of long-term for that, for their, for their outcomes. And I think it's just better for industry in general. But I do see, the, absolutely do see the need for it in certain circumstances. Yeah, yeah. All right, I see... Lots of middle-aged, grumpy old men and 
more importantly, I'm starting to see some lovely females move into the safety industry. What I'm not seeing is a lot of young people at an early age choosing this is the career they want to go into. Would you would you like to see some people come in fairly early in their careers or job roles and take those entry level positions so that they can grow and mature into you know the safety professionals that we will need in ten years? So one thing I can see is selective my choice of words. No, we are getting young people entering the industry. You know. Going back to 1996 or 94, whatever it was, VCU, you know, we are actually seeing now undergrad courses. So Curtin is long established, ECU is really long established, Murdoch, W, pretty much every university in the state is now offering an undergrad course in that. Big as well in Queensland. We're also seeing grad programs. So the all of your majors and even your tier twos are offering grad programs for safety. What we're seeing is, though, with that is a really rapid. So the salary growth with, with safety compared to other professions is, is phenomenal, right? So yeah. you can do a grad program, they get you in at 80, 90, 100,000, depending on the company. But, you know, you're talking within 18 months to two years, you should be looking for, for a FIFO role, 130, 140. Right. What we often see at a grad level, and I get it because I've been in my 20s, a lot faster movement, so a lot higher turnover in roles. But we are seeing we are seeing young people join the businesses. I think it's also one thing that we see a lot are, are the majors, the, the, the big three minors, we won't mention them, really looking for, for younger people as part of their recruitment strategy, so grads as a part of their recruitment strategy. And I think that's to, you know, get embedded within a company culture, which I think is great. And I think it's awesome that that's being offered. When we look outside of, I guess, the majors, when businesses often do want to hire a grad, they look at it as a way to get a admin, a safety admin, if you like, for a discounted fee, because a safety admin is making, a HSE admin is making, you know, 90, 100,000, you can get a grad for 10, 20,000 dollars cheaper. Problem is they don't want to pay that grad anymore after 12 months right? and now they've got 12 months experience which causes you know it, it's a rapid rise quite quickly so that 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 junior end of the market is really interesting but it is certainly um it is certainly we are seeing younger people joining and i think that's because you know it circles back to what we said before 30 years ago this wasn't a profession now it is a profession mm-hmm. and uh, it is getting that spotlight on it as well Good. I'll just ask you a question on that. What's the youngest person you've seen apply for a safety safety position? Oh, that's that's going to be, that's a question I'm going to need to ask Sarah, but I'm pretty sure it would be 2021-ish. I know Sarah definitely has placed someone in their early 20s as, as an advisor. And I think that person had come off a trade, left school, got a trade, then went and got mm-hmm. a diploma. So I did like two or three years on the tools, yep. got a diploma, did two, 18 months, and then and then was sort of a, you know, a reasonably apt safety professional, you know, still at a junior level, but in a FIFO capacity. So, but yeah, definitely early 20s, but don't, don't quote me on that. Mate. That's all right. That's all right. The youngest I've ever seen come into a safety course with me happened about oh, three months ago a young a young lass 
called Amy. Amy, if you are listening, I'm talking about you in a nice <laughs> way. 19 years old and been working in another profession and the most mature 19-year-old I've ever met, very strong, I want to do this, these are the reasons I want to learn, and I think she'll make it. And I, I, I was amazed, I was amazed, because it's not something we see a lot. I, I'll be honest and say, we usually find it's people who have been on the tools or in the profession for a long period of time, who their body starts giving out and they go, oh, okay, well, I can do the safety, I can do that, I know about this. So that was I think nice. that's the 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 older the older image of safety, right? Especially you know those site-based advisor roles, the older image of safety, someone's transitioning out. And look, there's some great people in that in that space. I know exactly what you mean though. And you know, Sarah and I have talked about it, but when we see someone young, it's taking it at that at that proper professional level. So I've got someone in my in my head. I won't say her name, but well spoken, presented at the interview gives measurable examples, gives an outline of what they're actually looking for out of a career, expectations on what they actually want from management. I think that's so important as well and something that's, you know, especially at, at millennial and younger levels, like they will ask in an interview, you know, well, what is your management style? You know, what are your expectations for me? And I think that's really empowering because getting that out in an interview is your best long-term chances of success, 100%. You know, and it is really good to see. And I think, you know, the you will start seeing it trickling through more younger professionals entering the market. And I can I can honestly say that I've met a few in my time, more than a few in my time now that are that are really really awesome and are going to be going to places over the next five to ten years for sure. Yeah, yeah. Got a got a twenty one year old in the course this week, so kind of excited so, about that. So send, send it my way, Tom. Send it to Sarah. <laughs> I I won't say names about this gentleman. <laughs> a nice guy. All right, last few years we've had it's been three years and about oh I think twenty days since COVID made its way to Australian shores, and lots of things changed at least in the short term. Work has got a taste of different work conditions, shall we say? A lot of them yep. did. And a lot of them basically ended up changing attitudes as to what they may require or at least expect in terms of conditions in the workplace. That's actually, from what I've seen, has led a great push for more, inverted commas, family-friendly rosters particularly for FIFO. If you're an employer, you're hoping to attract high-quality talent as a safety professional, what would be your advice in recruiting and retaining FIFO workers? So great question. And honestly, something I can talk about extensively, so I'll, I'll keep it short. And it's really funny because I was, I was reading the you know, so preparing for this. And I coincidentally, on my way to work this morning, I was talking to a client over in Adelaide, has a project over here in WA, and they're running two and twos at the moment. Pre-COVID, I never heard of, outside of oil and gas, never heard of two and twos, really, you know. I mean, at that stage, even pre-COVID, two and ones, I think, were, were pretty, were far more than norm. And sixes were always seen as the, the dream. Mm. And sixes, I mean, I... Eight and sixes and a seven and seven. I mean, for me, they're, they're much, much less. The great thing is for an employer, though, it's a lot easier 
I'll say this on the record. It's a lot easier to do an eight and six, to fill an eight and six. That's become the most ubiquitous and the most common. However, it's not impossible to fill two and ones and two and twos. It really depends, though, and this is what I was talking to this client about, really depends on the people and where they are in their life. If you've got young kids at home, right, you're not wanting to do uh, a two and two, right? You don't want to be away for two weeks, right? If you're... You know, you're waiting for your house to be built. You got the, you know, you got the the slab down. You know, you're, you're trying to make a. It's just you and your wife. You're probably happy to do a two and one. I know people that will will come to Sarah, especially for advisor roles. They specifically just want to have a two and one because it's an extra fourteen to fifteen percent more. They're at a certain point in life where they just want the week off at home. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't care about working that extra little bit. Younger, younger candidates. Candidates with young families or candidates looking to perhaps slow down, eight and six, and that's that's the biggest chunk of the market. But it really doesn't matter. There are people out, it's fewer and far between for two and ones. Also, you know, if you're a, a young single guy or girl for that matter, you know, two and twos might be the best option for you. You know, you've got two weeks to go off camping or go international or whatever. So it really, it, it doesn't matter. I think the biggest advice I can give though is making sure that everyone's aligned. So giving that option. So if you're going to run your entire workforce on, on a swing, probably eight and sixes are your best bet, right? But if you can have someone do an eight and six and a two and one, you know, if you've got the flexibility for that um, and they've got that little bit of a crossover, make it happen because you, you've got that ability to, for me, that's what flexibility is, right? And that will be my advice. But yeah, certainly eight and sixes to answer your question. But you can find some great people on other swings, I can promise you. Oh, yeah. I've started to see the old four and threes and five and twos as in days, not weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the five, yeah, the five, the five, two, four, three. Yeah, I actually got to even mention that. Certainly more common. Yeah, your majors, your majors for mining. Look, I mean, that's. That makes sense as well. It's, it's literally a Monday to Friday with a nine. What's well, a nine day fortnight, right? You're home every weekend. Again, the people that we typically see with that, the younger candidates, you know, really common or more common for the sort of what we were talking about before, those sort of grad program roles where they're away for their five days. It's just like going to work for five days, isn't it? Then you got your weekend. And and look, that's certainly popular there as well because it's sort of the best of both worlds. Long days, but it's still FIFO. Yeah. Is the is it good for you as an employer to have a mix of experience and knowledge and uh, no newer people coming through with perhaps newer ideas rather than have a, basically everyone who's got ten years experience in the field? Oh, absolutely. But I mean, that's diversity and inclusion right there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having having a diverse workforce is going to uncover your blind spots 100 percent it's going to make you stronger you know that's why there's such a push for you know diversity on boards and that should go right through a workforce all the way down diverse workforces always lead to better results i think the best thing though is you know what it really comes down to is is management you know people management and, and how you manage the best out of your workforce the best out of your team that's that's what it'll always come down to as well though yeah, absolutely. Apart from money, money's a great incentive for most people. But yeah. apart from money, is there any other sort of conditions, perks, sweeteners that you think might help companies attract and retain top talent? Top talent? Yeah. 
So it, it is, that's where it really comes to the organisation and, and to the role, right? So if we're looking at perf-based roles, people want flexibility, right? They do not want to go. There's very few people I know that want to go to work every day, five days a week, same place, stuck behind a desk. Now, there's some businesses that are that are incapable of looking outside of that, but the working from home option for Perth-based roles, even just one day a week, it makes a huge difference. Even if that person, I mean, I live 10 minutes from the office, I still work one day a week from home. And it's just, you know, you know, it's like lack of distractions, you know, be able to set your admin side apart. I obviously get boots on ground, operational critical roles, you know, if you're working for a commercial construction company, you've got to be on site, right? Yeah. But if you're talking office jobs, that flexibility pace, that is a requirement. And there are some businesses, this is something that Andy sees a lot in those perf roles that, that really are losing people because of a mindset of, no, everyone needs to be in. But so that's certainly a, a challenge. At, at the senior level, look, the thing that I'm seeing at the senior level is the rise of bonuses. So for... And I'm talking, you know, senior management above, so 200,000 mm-hmm. above. Yep. Bonuses were very rare that I'd really come across it. If it was, it would be with those sort of wishy-washy, yeah, there's like a 10% kind of KPI thing that may or may not be paid. They're becoming harder and faster now. And I think the reason that's come about is because this had so much salary growth at the lower levels that we have had a bit of a delay. And now sort of senior management starting to see those growth. So that's I'm literally doing a, a GM role at the moment, and that's one of the key things we're talking about. What that STI LTI package looks like, and yeah, two three years ago that wasn't a huge thing. So it really depends, I guess, on that. Without giving a straight answer, it really depends on the organisation and where that person's at. I think if you've got if an organisation has the resources for it, developing people at that mid level. I, I give this advice all the time. We we see people that are at that advisor, a senior advisor, might be in a corporate space wanting to progress to manager. If you can provide development and leadership training and development, that's a huge motivator as well. But it's about having that conversation with the individual, sort of like the swing lens that we just talked about. It's about finding out where that person is with their life and what they actually want. Because if you do a one, one size fits all, yeah. it, it, it doesn't work. And that's, you know, remuneration and benefits really come to play. Good, good. All right, I'm going to ask you something that should be basically your opinion. Um, Uh-oh. So, so <laughs> do you still get many people who believe the role is going to be basically spending most of your time in the office and then reacting to incidents and accidents rather than proactively going out and spending most of your time in the field? It's, a, it's one of the, again, we, we met a lot of individuals and yes, there are certainly people that that, that do think that way, but uh, I guess that's the, that's the nature as well of, of our role, right? I mean, we, we meet hundreds of people, we speak to hundreds of people and, and I guess that's that, you know, circle back the person for every role, right? Because there's some businesses that honestly, that's what they want, you know? Yeah, true, true. All right, Sandstrom. Now in Queensland, in WA, you're talking about clients from Adelaide. Okay, if I'm listening to this and I'm a business, I don't know, let's say based in Melbourne, lovely Melbourne, 
We yep. like the idea of this building a long-term relationship with a company that can provide us high-quality candidates. Am I able to do business with you or not? In in Melbourne? Yep. I'd actually send you to my competitor. That's that's our that's our fact. And that's that's where we come in, right? So I like to under-promise and, and over-deliver. Mm-hmm. It's very tempting, right, to go and say, oh, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. We know our market inside and out. We're, we're developing a Queensland market, a Queensland capability. When I talked about South Australia then, that was a South Australian client that was operating in West Australia. Good. So they're looking for West Australian candidates to service a, a project in, in, I won't say wherever, up north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And look, that's that's where we're developing, you know, at also time and cost developing that Queensland market mm-hmm. because it's about understanding. It is different. It is a hundred percent different. And at the moment, I'm I'm in it every day. It's a hundred percent different to West Australia. The salaries are different, expectations are different, travels are different. We've got a strong capability in West Australia. I know myself and Andy and Sarah can can definitely deliver. And now Amy joining us, we're working together to really build that Queensland side and. If a client came to us and said, look, can you find us? We're a Melbourne-based client or a Brisbane-based Brisbane or a Melbourne-based client looking for someone in Brisbane, which is a role we have on at the moment. That's an area that I'll say, yes, we can work that. But I have no desire just yet, Tom, to be to be putting someone in Parramatta <laughs> or, or Docklands or wherever. We've got to know our market. And, and look, that's the value of, of a, an actual good recruiter. Hmm. You know, you, you've said to me a couple of questions today and, and you know, I... I started this business as a one-man band, right? And, and, you know, advisors was a big thing of what I do. Now I literally ask Sarah all the time, you know, what about this in the market? What are we seeing in this in the market? You know, she is actually the authority on it, you know, and and likewise, Andy's absolutely authority in sort of those Perth roles, you know? So Perth-based, you know, non-senior management, that's Andy's Andy's authority. So it's something that we pride ourselves on and probably there's a key difference there. We know our market, we know our people. No, that's good. I will say this just from my experience. I spent a long time in Queensland and a bit of time in New South Wales and now a couple of years in WA. I'll say this about WA and Queensland. They're both states where business is built and maintained on the relationships you build up. Absolutely. Uh, There is nothing just transactional about it. Uh, and trying to explain to someone that it's about, I don't know, taking your client out to coffee and having a, a bit of cake with shouting them a bit of cake and talking about their family and what they're up to before you start getting into the business is kind of crucial. Absolutely. That's, and, you know, that's a big thing about how we run our business here. And, and you know, I mean, Amy and I are already, you know, looking to go over next month, exactly that meeting clients, meeting candidates face to face. Big thing of what I do, you know, death by a million coffees. But I, I personally know everyone at the senior level that I work with, I personally know I've had a coffee with, or at least, you know, sat down face-to-face. And I think that's, you know, you can still do recruitment well remotely if you still make the connections in person and you're still invested in that community in person. I think that's one of the probably the negatives that have come from COVID. Too often now, it's jump on a 15 minutes team's call, screen a CV, send it over to Mr. Client, collect a fee. It's not how we operate that business, you know, and and, and, and unfortunately that sort of recruitment in general, and I guess that's our point of difference, is that it's for the long term. And one thing I always say to people is, look, whether I can help you this week 
and you secure a job, right? Or, or this month you secure a job. We're not going anywhere, right? I, I want to help someone for a full career break. I want to help them in four years when they're looking for the next job or five years or whatever that might be. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably, I think, very apt, though. You know, it is all in relationship driven for sure. Good. All right, John, we may have to leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, John Shattuck, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for having me on. Hopefully you got something out of it and hopefully something insightful anyway. Beautiful. Thanks, John. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.